Hey everybody, what's going on today? It's Benji and Chris. We've got episode two of the Generation Fit podcast. Today we're going to be going over six beginner gym mistakes that's killing your gains. Coach Chris and I have both participated in our fair share of these mistakes and we're here to disclose some of them to you today. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you've been making these mistakes at the gym, trust me, you want to stop doing them right now. Yup. All right. So let's go over mistake number one. That is going to be bad form and ego lifting. I'm sure you guys might have, might have stepped into the gym, whether it's the first time or whether you're more experienced and you see someone off to the corner deadlifting a bunch of weight. But the thing is, is their back's totally rounded. They're not locking out on the movement and they have six plates. They're hogging all the weights when they shouldn't be doing that. They're going to hurt themselves. Mm-hmm. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've walked into the gym and just look left and right, scan through the room. And whether it be somebody using their hips to barbell curl, whether it's their lower back in a deadlift about to break it at any given second, or maybe it's the tricep extension or a skull crusher that everybody is just using their legs and or just swinging their shoulders around. And trust me when I say that good form goes a long way. One, prevents injury. Two, standardizes your reps so you know if you've done better than the last week. Okay. And another big thing I've noticed in this category is when you do lots of bad form, it's hard to understand what you did last week unless you recorded yourself. So then you don't know how it looked or what it felt like. Just the fact that, oh, you just did barbell curls 135 pounds, which doubt it. (laughs) (laughs) But I guarantee you, you get a lot more out of it if you just bicep curled on an easy bar, 65, 75 pounds, slow and controlled, up for one, squeeze for one, down for two or three seconds. And I guarantee your joints will thank you for that. Yeah, exactly right. You used the example of the bicep curl. And I think I was actually bicep curling more weight when I first started in the gym than I am now. The reason being because now I'm actually employing good form and I'm isolating the bicep. If your goal in the gym is to actually grow muscle and to build that frame that you want to build, then doing a bicep curl, using your legs, using your shoulders, using your neck to strain it and get up the weight that's not going to give you the biggest biceps. Isolating the movement's going to give you the biggest biceps. So in my case, I think I was doing, uh, I was probably doing like 80 or 90 pounds with a curl bar, like a straight or a straight bar, whatever I was using. And now I'm doing something like 50, 55 max Mm -hmm. for probably less reps that are just very high quality. And I've noticed I get so much more stimulus to the bicep. I grow more. And also I'm able to recover better too, because I can do so much more or I can rather do so much less volume to yield greater results. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like uh, the most, most examples I get are people with uh, shoulder pain, especially after going heavy on dumbbell bench press. And this is a great example of if they just really focused on retracting or pulling their shoulder blades back and down while pushing and driving the dumbbells up towards the ceiling, that they would prevent so many more injuries possible just from keeping those things in check but they're so worried about the weight in their hands yep. that they oh man i want to get those 100 pound dumbbells just so i can say it to my friend the next day like hey i put, I put dumbbell rest for one rep half rep yeah <laughs> all the way up to the ceiling but realistically you threw out your shoulder on that your lower <laughs> back came off your butt came off you used leg drive <laughs> or whatever it is but at the end of the day it kind of look like something like this if you're watching it on video yeah like it does not make any sense. So you think of it this way, you're not getting anything out of it besides saying, hey, I did that weight. Mm, and it, it sounds cool in the moment. Sure. Like we've all been there. If you're like, let's say Chris and I, we both start working out. We're bros from high school and we're training in the gym. 
and Chris could bench a little more than me, so now I'm trying to bench a little more than him. Well, if he's benching more for me with horrible form, great for him in the moment, but in the long run, who's it going to be better for? The guy who has three back, um, rather shoulder surgeries or tons of injuries down the road or the guy who's using good form and getting stronger using that good form without injuries and an overall better quality of life. You know, you have to make that decision for yourself. Are you going to the gym to just look good and in a more superficial sense? Or do you want to look good and also have a good quality of life? Because those two things aren't always correlated if you're not using good form. And he used a great example of the bench press. And it's almost like every example you used, I fell into that category when I first started lifting. Because I remember when I first started, I was in high school at the time. And my form was just like how you described, not locking out properly and kind of just straining every other muscle apart from my chest to get the weight up. And I remember for the first month or two, not only did I destroy my rotator cuffs a little bit, and I've recovered from that now, but my shoulders were just so horribly sore. And just to get through, through the day was horrible. I, um, I remember being in class and the teacher would always call on me like I was raising my hand. I'm like, no, no I just started working out. So I'm just stretching my shoulder and I'm, not, I'm feeling pretty sore. So um, the goal is to have a better quality of life along with meeting your other goals in the gym, not just lifting more weight on the bar because that is not what's going to give you the best results. You're not going to reach your goals that way. And if you somehow do manage to reach the numbers you want on the bench press and achieve your goal that way, you're going to get hurt and not be able to go to gym again and keep lifting that amount of weight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So going to number two. So it's endlessly changing exercise week by week, day by day. We call it shocking the muscle. Well, it was coined back in the early 2000s, but basically saying that you got to keep shocking the muscle. And that is one of the biggest fallacies in the gym I can ever see. What we want to do is you want to let the body to adapt. You choosing or doing performing certain exercises makes you want to adapt that way. Here's what I mean. If you're doing the bench press, you want your body to adapt to learn how to do that bench press at a certain amount of weight, at a certain amount of reps, and a certain technique. If you only do it one time, you are not going to let your body to adapt to it. So you're not going to give it enough time to understand what it's doing and what you're attending to do. That is a big problem when I see people going from, in this case in the gym, is they'll do dumbbell bench press one week and start on that. And then they'll do uh, push-ups as the next push movement that they do. And then the following week, they'll do incline barbell press and another sort of machine chest press. And not knowing where to go with these exercises, doing so much variety that there's no, there is no accurate assessment of, am I progressing? Am I getting better with each movement? Yeah. That you're just exercising. You're not following a program. Mm -hmm. It might seem like it works in the beginning, but that's because no matter what you do in the beginning, you're going to grow, but eventually you're going to hit a plateau. And pretty early, if you're doing this, I know you said the early 2000s, maybe that's when it was repopularized again, but I was just watching Pumping Iron recently and I, Arnold Schwarzenegger I'm not going to do an impersonation because it's going to sound really bad, but he <laughs> talked about how you have to shock the muscle and every time to do something different. And there's truth to that over a much longer period of time. So really what the science says is you want to allow your muscle to adapt to a given movement. So for example, if you're doing, let's say, a barbell flat bench press, if you just go on to dumbbell incline press the next week, you didn't give your body a chance to adapt and do better on the same movement you did the week before. So in the beginning, 
start trying to progress on the same movements for at least maybe four or five, six weeks. And then if that movement feels stale or you're just, it's uncomfortable, it bothers you, you're, um, you're not feeling good in that movement, then change it to try and adapt to a new movement, right? Because what happens is, yes, after a prolonged period of time, movements can get stale. But for the average person, and in most case scenarios, that's not what's happening. It's actually you're just switching way too quick and you didn't give your body a chance to adapt and grow muscle or build strength from the, the same movement. So you're actually just wasting a movement. Yeah, so that's one of the biggest things. Um, even I fell into this, especially towards the beginning and uh, beginning of my career, where I thought I, ha- I must bench press only once a week. And then next thing I went from once a week to zero times a week because I thought, oh, if I get away from it, then I'll do better at it. But real- realistically is you need to get, if you want to get better at something, then that's what you need to be doing progressively. And in this case is we as coaches have noticed that when we have clients that are like, oh, I will have to change exercises after week two. Uh, we really reassess and think, yeah, yeah. if it's bothering your tendons, your, your ligaments, it just doesn't feel right. Then after- stop. Yeah, please, by all means. But if you're just like, ah, I just feel like changing it up right now. No, no reasoning, no rationale. Just like, mm-hmm. hey, coach, I want to stop right now. We're going to take a step, t- take a thought and be like, hey, let's double check what's going on. Maybe, maybe the technique isn't there. Maybe it's, maybe it's the rep range. Uh, but we first try to at least solidify it and then let it run. And if you genuinely don't like it or don't feel it in the right areas, that's different. That's mm-hmm. completely different. Yeah, it's it's just like practicing any other sport or skill, actually, too, because your body makes adaptations to whatever skill you're practicing. In this case, we're just talking about building muscle and strength. So an example for me is I was a soccer player, and it's almost as if, like, let's say I played striker. If I went and every Monday or throughout the entire week, let's say, I practiced just shooting. But then the next week, you know what? I don't want to practice shooting anymore. I'm just going to practice crossing the ball or passing. And then the week after that, I'm just going to practice dribbling. I'm not giving my body a chance or rather my like my brain a chance in that case, but I'm not allowing myself to adapt to what I'm actually practicing. So in your guys case, when you go in the gym and you're trying to build muscle, you're trying to chase strength gains, how are you going to do that properly and best assess where you're at if you're just endlessly changing movements? You're not going to be able to track your progress and then you're going to plateau very early. So you want to give your body a chance to adapt to the movements and only when it becomes stale it hurts you, your ligaments, your something isn't right, then you can change out the exercise and try something else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So number three, and this is a big one, especially for my newbies or people that are just so biased into liking their own ex- I've fallen victim to this. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Everybody does. Um, it's prioritizing isolation movements over compound movements. And my goodness, I cannot tell you many times I've seen, especially this is the biggest one, is that the entire chest workout is centered around doing flies first, going into bench press. I'm not saying this is wrong. This shouldn't be, this should definitely not be the setup overall. But yes, in a certain context, it does work. Now, what I do see is people absolutely destroy themselves on flies and then go right into their heaviest bench press possible. And that could not be further from the truth, especially with people that we work with, that if you only have two hours in the gym a week, two to three hours, and you're telling me, hey, I'm gonna, I wanna do all the isolation movements possible. So you're gonna be like, in a workout, I wanna do my you know, chest, chest fly. I wanna do a 
back machine. I want to do a preacher curl, a tricep extension, all the all the isolations you can think about. You're not going to get this, this multitude of results that you want to because you're choosing all the exercises that you have to do individually one by one versus doing exercises like compound movements where you hit multiple muscle groups at a much higher degree that have a higher payout at every rep that you do. Yeah, you want to get the biggest bang for your buck, right? So if you're not someone who's going to take lifting so seriously as to the point where you're going to go six days a week, two hours each time, and you're someone who just wants to be healthy and enjoy it while you can, then in that case, you want to use the movements that provide the largest amount of stimulus in the shortest amount of time. And you take something like bench press, for example, versus flies, and that bench press is going to allow you to load so much more weight onto your muscles. Whereas with dumbbell flies, you're going to be able to load maybe a fourth of that, right? At max. So, and that's using good form, doing everything properly. And there's a huge difference between the two. And I know someone like me, for example, I respond very, very well to low repetitions on the bench press for building muscle. And I actually learned this the hard way in more recent times because I was prioritizing all of the isolation movements for the chest. I was doing like perfect form on incline dumbbell press, not necessarily like a pure isolation movement, but still like it wasn't a barbell bench press where I could load to the max. I was doing lots of flies. I was just focusing on only feeling the squeeze in the muscle. Meanwhile, when I do bench press, I don't even feel my chest all the way, but I was able to load lots of lots of weight and have so much mechanical tension on my chest that as soon as I started bench pressing again, my chest started to blow up much more than what it was after a year of just doing basically isolation movements. So it was really a night and day difference. And for most of the people that we talk to, we recommend probably allocating two thirds of your volume to any given muscle group using compound movements. And then for the last third to be isolation movements. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you come up to me and you just want, Hey, Chris, I want some awesome biceps. And you've been doing everything I've been telling you to. And you're, this is like, this is your goal. You're like, hey, I want some awesome biceps on top of looking good and being healthy and being fit. Okay, that's different. Like, hey, by all means, if you want your biceps to get bigger, we're going to prioritize that. That's, yep. that's exercise number one, just because for some odd reason, you just want some anchor arms on the beach. Hey, man, I'm not judging. I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you as a coach, hey, let's, let's take a step back. Let's see what's going on. If you're like, if you seriously want that as your goal, I'm going to give it to you. Mm-hmm. Understandably, but I am not, I'm also not going to tell you that this is going to be the best ideal thing to do, but just the fact that, all right, we're going to prioritize that first, and then we'll make sure that we cover the most bases to make you as healthy and fit as possible with the time that you have. Yep. And, and even with the bicep example, there's compound movements or compound variations for every single muscle group. And that includes the biceps. Actually, most people underlook that, or maybe don't know what I'm talking about, because mm-hmm. the only thing you could think of is a basic barbell curl or dumbbell curl or whatever variation of those. But actually, there's a reason why um, gymnasts have such big biceps. And basically, they're doing compound movements for their biceps using pull-ups because the way they do pull-ups, they're not using their back muscles as much. They're pulling all with their biceps. So they're actually taking their biceps from this overhead motion, which no other bicep movement takes you through. They're keeping their body straight upright and they're pulling only with their biceps, a full squeeze of their forearm against their bicep, and then all the way back again, fully stretching the muscle. So it's actually, by extension, a compound movement for the biceps that goes very underlooked. I almost see no one doing them, but then explain to me why gymnasts have such big biceps relative to the rest of their body. There's a reason for that. Yeah, they're gigantic biceps. 
like absolutely abnormal. <laughs> Definitely right. Um, number four on the list is actually doing too much too soon. So that includes too many workouts right away, too many sets, training to failure on every set. These are some common problems we see. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in, in science terms, it's basically just too much volume or too much intensity of effort. Uh, and I'll put it down practically as some people that love to go to the gym, they spend their waking moments thinking about what they're going to do, how, how well they're going to destroy their chest, back, shoulders, biceps, you name it. They just want to make sure that they, when they walk out of that gym, that they cannot use that muscle or they have to literally <laughs> pick it up to be able to do something later that day. Like for example, is like holding a drink after an arm day, they want to be able to just and plop it on the table to drink, or they have to just get a straw to drink because they hit 25 sets of biceps, all the failure on one day for that week. And guess what? There is some efficacy to it, but I do not recommend it. It is not practical. Imagine doing, in this case, 20 to 25 sets of biceps in one day. That is a lot of work, one. Two is, by the beginning of the workout, you're doing the heaviest and the most, mm -hmm. the most amount of weight with the most amount of control. By the end, there's no way you can tell me that you could be able to curl as much as you could as if you were in the beginning. Well, at 25 sets later, I'm pretty sure you're not even feeling at the muscle. You're just going to be feeling at the tendon and or at the elbow because that is an insane amount. And why not split it over multiple days versus doing all at once? Yep, exactly. Um, That's a great point. A lot of people will... Let's take bicep curls, for example. One day they'll do like 20 sets. And there's something that in the, I guess we refer to it as junk volume. And after, it basically just means after a certain amount of sets for a particular muscle group on the same given day, it starts to become stimulus to your, or rather a lack of stimulus. It becomes volume that's not actually doing anything other than fatiguing you and impeding your recovery. There's mm -hmm. something that it's, this is more sciencey, but it's referred to as like the stimulus recovery adaptation um, ratio, probably, right? The stimulus recovery adaptation ratio or? It's SRA chart. Yeah, it's like SRA curves, right? Yeah. And basically you provide a stimulus to your muscles. So let's say you do a bicep curl. You're providing a stimulus to your bicep and then your body is going to use resources to recover. Mm -hmm. And then the next week your body is going to adapt and you're going to try and do more and provide more stimulus to your biceps. The only problem is, is if you provide too much of a stimulus to your biceps, it sounds really cool. The ratio, like the curve basically goes down, mm -hmm. right? And then to recover, it becomes much, much more difficult. And what could actually end up happening, what's happened to many people is you either don't grow or your muscles can atrophy because you did so much and it had such a catabolic effect that you weren't able to recover and adapt as a result. It's a bad problem to have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so th these are just, these are like the, really big gym goers that just over want to do overdo everything because they believe that soreness is the key to gains for every little thing. And I can tell you, it's actually quite the opposite. Yeah. It's almost sad that it's the opposite because it is fun to absolutely destroy muscle groups and to feel like you are just having, I have a blast doing as, as oh, much volume as possible, but the problem is when you start to get sick as a result of it, your immune system suffers or your ligaments and your bones and everything in between suffers. And that actually happened to me. I ended up having um, my immune system depressed temporarily from overtraining, just doing a ridiculous amount of sets. I think I did uh, like 20 to 25 sets all to failure, not even using proper form probably, um, every single week for every single muscle group that exists. And 
that totally destroyed my body in the process. I had lots of joint issues in my hip, my shoulder, and I ended up in the hospital because I didn't know what I had because I had a very high virus multiple times in a row. This is not the most common thing, but there's symptoms of what I'm saying. My example is a little more dramatized because I just was under that impression where, hey, the more I do, the more I grow. But that wasn't the case for most people. It's actually maybe you tone that back the volume a little bit and then you'll grow more because you're able to recover more. Um, it's not necessarily the most satisfying answer, but your body will thank you if you follow through with that approach. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all this is, is more of you, you want to kind of keep it around the lowest end and then work your way up. If anything, because, to see what your body can handle. Yeah. So it's not, I'm not saying is you can't keep doing more. And yes, there is an actual limit to the point where it starts dropping off. Um, like the law of diminishing returns, but realistically just, you want to find the dosage where it's, you can do the least amount and still progress. And then from there, if you want to be like, Hey, I want to add more volume to X, X, Y, Z body part, then by all means. But if you throw the kitchen sink at everything and then expect to, uh, get gains back from it, all you're really doing is destroying your body, not letting it recover. So it's destroying, not letting it recover. If this is baseline and then letting it adapt to be better. All you're doing is destroying it and keeping it around this underneath the baseline level. So that's all we're trying to tell you is to not do that. <laughs> so you understand that you can do gains with, in this case, a little bit less volume if you're destroying each body part every single week. Yeah, you have to think about this is that building muscle and adapting and gaining strength is on your body's list of priorities, like 50 or 100. You have so many biological mechanisms that your body needs to take you through in order to just survive and make sure you're as healthy as possible. So building muscle and building strength is not priority list number one. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to growing in the gym and building muscle, building strength, and also just recovering so that you can be at somewhat the same performance the next week and try to adapt, your body's allocating the same resources towards both of those tasks. So when you eat after you train and you try to focus on your nutrition, your body's going to take resources from whatever you ate to try and first recover and then to adapt to what you're doing. So you need to make sure that you space it out properly. Mm -hmm. Which goes perfectly into our, our next one, which is number five, following bro splits. And this is another example of people not understanding or hearing it from their friend, their coworker, their significant other that, oh, I do a back and biceps day. I do a chest and triceps day. I do a shoulders and legs day. And guess what? It's not necessarily wrong. But what you have to understand is in the curtain science, it seems though that even if you equate volume or total sets per week for a body part, that if you do it 15 sets in a week, just on one day versus on two or three, Gains seem to be actually equal now as of 2022. Now, practically, this is where it comes in. Just, just imagine if you had to do 15 sets of quads in one day. I don't think you're going to make it out of there alive. No. <laughs> just to, so in perspective, that's like four sets of squats, almost a failure. Four sets of leg press, almost a failure. Then you have four sets of lunges, failure. And then three sets of leg extensions. I'm pretty sure you're going to be walking either crippled, dead, or puking. And no, not in that order. So I don't think that's the best idea. Yeah. And like some people will hear that and say, oh, like you guys, like you're just losers. You're just, you know what I mean? Like that, that's why you can't do it. And like, no, like we have done that before and we know what it's like. And 
we sometimes enjoy that. Like we wish that every training session was like that, but you just can't recover enough from that. And also you take the context of those studies, right? And sure, it does show that you 15 sets of, let's say on your quads in one day versus spaced out into two, people got the best results or um, rather comparable results. That's in a very controlled environment where people were doing every exercise properly to the same um, proximity to failure and employing the same standardized form across all exercises. That's in a very controlled scientific environment. You take the average person who says, oh, bro, I did 16 sets of my quads, man. Like, it's like I I'm, I'm, can't even walk outside of the gym anymore. Like, that's how you know you got a good workout. And like, okay, but how were your last eight sets? Maybe you destroyed your quads to feel that way on your first eight sets and your last eight sets were completely unproductive and you didn't do it properly. So that's what, one of the main reasons we recommend spacing it out across two days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and really just think about it like this. We work with the average person, right? Uh, especially with uh, generally older men that don't have much time. They have other responsibilities as well. So they're trying to maximize time in the gym. With that context, and knowing now that you can split it up almost either way, but we don't want them to be obviously super, super sore so they can actually still do the work that they need to do and play with their kids and do other responsibilities like cooking, cleaning, whatever it might be. So in that case is if you only have two, three hours in the gym, like most of our clients, then that's why we recommend having at least two to three days where we have, in this case, full body workouts. And to say that this is better, way better in science over like I said before, push, pull legs or biceps, biceps, back, triceps, chest and legs. Yep. Um, it's not to say one is better. It's just that knowing that they're hitting each body part two or three times a week, every time they come into the gym is that it's stimulating muscle protein synthesis every single time. And also they're not, they're not deathly sore between each day for every single day that they're just feeling good because you're not going to, you're not going to be super sore, especially when you do like three sets of biceps consistently at every yep. workout. Yeah, that's the, the flip end of the scientific part you said is that the, it, it is debatable because there are two sides to every coin, right? So in this case, it's, hey, some of the studies show that 15 sets in one day versus 15 sets spread across two yield similar results. We said, hey, it's a very controlled environment. So even though that shows that, maybe not the most practical. But the other side says, hey, maybe that's not even the most um, true statement either because there are spikes in muscle protein synthesis up to around 72 hours of mm -hmm. after your training. And then it returns back to baseline where you would in layman's terms, not be like growing anymore, basically. So if you train a given body part two times a week, it gives your body a chance to spike in muscle protein synthesis for up to 72 hours, both times. And that would mean that you're pretty much growing per se the entire week and your body's essentially in a state of muscle protein synthesis all week long. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's also just practical. I just can't imagine being being productive at all doing any body part more than eight, you know, let's say... I'm not productive after eight sets, probably. <laughs> yeah, like give or take like eight to 12 sets. Like, uh, you're not even getting a pump anymore. So the biggest example here is like easiest ones are like, let's say triceps. Um, after, let's say, close grip benching and then some skull crushing. Yeah, can, can, I, get a, can I get a good light pump like drop sets and all that stuff of course yeah i could just go on the tricep cable machine just keep going till you know the till literally anything possible but realistically is 
after those amount of sets, you're just doing uh, what one of our favorite coaches says, junk volume, but just lots of volume that doesn't mm -hmm. really mean anything. And you're just doing a lot of fatigue. Yeah. Cause here's another example, right? Let's say you take 16 sets of bicep curls in one day versus two days after your first eight sets, you're not going to be able to load the bar or the dumbbells the same. And you're not going to be able to provide as great of a stimulus to your muscles because they're actually fatigued within the workout. Whereas if you give it a chance to recover a little bit for your next workout, and then you do another eight sets, they're primed and ready to go again. And you could actually provide more stimulus to the biceps, separating it into two separate days. You're also having neurological things going on where you're actually, you're able to focus more on both days if you're doing just eight sets and eight sets as opposed to just hammering 16 sets by the time you get to 10 sets your mind is probably going to be out of the workout a little more you're not going to be as focused not going to feel your biceps as much and you might start to compensate with other muscle groups as well because it's more difficult to get the weight up using just your bicep after it's fatigued within the same workout mm -hmm. yeah basically that's for number five and the last one but certainly not the least is overall just lack of consistency and just missing workouts. If if you're doing this right now, this is the first thing you have, to, you have to correct. And that's why we did save this for last. Because if you're missing workouts, that all these other variables aren't should not be included in your questioning of mistakes that you're performing at the gym. Because I'd rather have somebody that is consistent following a certain plan and trying to figure out his or her body, and then come to me and say, Okay, this isn't working. I've been consistent. This is, you know, I've been doing this, X, Y, Z, et cetera, et cetera. Versus the person comes to me and goes, oh, uh, yeah, I don't like squatting. And then I would ask, you know, why does squatting not work for you? And then I was like, oh, I, I'm not getting stronger. And then I break it down like more wise and question. The next thing you know, they're like, at the end of the day, they just don't. They aren't consistent at the gym. And that is a, the biggest thing that we have to find right away first is if you're not consistent, then all these other variables don't matter at all yeah in the last episode when we were talking about diets we said the best diet isn't the best diet on paper it's the one you could adhere to and in this case the best training program isn't the best one on paper it's the training program that you can adhere to so obviously you want to make sure you enjoy your training and that you're able to actually show up on every single day something we do with our clients if they're like hey they're really pumped up they hey, I, want, I really want to work out five times a week six times a week i just want to do as best as possible all right that happens and then we're like sure they only show up three times in the week so now what we do we go hey how many times do you know you're definitely going to be able to show up to the gym no matter what regardless of your work schedule regardless of what's going on family friends obviously um not counting exceptional circumstances how many times do you know you can definitely show up and then in that case we're usually met with oh i could i know i could definitely show up three times okay so we're going to program your training sessions for three times in the week so that you could definitely do all of those things. Because what happens is, let's say we have someone on a five-day program and they show up for three days or four days, they might have missed eight sets of quads and then their quads aren't going to grow that week. Or they might have missed eight sets of biceps. Guess what? Biceps aren't going to grow that week because you missed so much volume for that given muscle group. So that's a problem that lots of people run into is that they aren't consistent and then they completely lose out on volume it's a it's really simple but it's one of the most underlooked issues actually because people think oh i go to the gym i work out really hard i try to progress on all the movements but then when you find out hey they weren't being as consistent that's a very easy problem to fix but one that 
isn't actually related to what you're doing with the technique, how your training program is actually structured in terms of the exercises you're using, all of these things. That's not all those things. Sure, they matter. But what's most important is that you could actually show up to do them and give your best effort every single day without missing a day. Then you're much more likely Mm -hmm. to succeed. You're more likely to succeed doing that, showing up every single time mentally prepared with a 50 percent decent program as opposed to having a perfect program that an expert coach masterfully constructed for you, but you only show up for 50% of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfectly put. So understand consistency first always has to be first. Cause then if you're not consistent, then at that point is everything else can fall. could be the most perfect thing in the world, but reality is you still have to hit those training days at the gym. Because then we can't. We as coaches are now more focused on getting you back in the gym as consistently as possible versus figuring out how many sets you have to do per week, figuring out if your chest muscles feel the right amount of stimulus, or if you're you know bench pressing incorrectly or curling improperly. All these things will add up. Hence, why we say is fix consistency first. Fix that variable, so then we can focus on the other variables. This is the biggest variable in comparison to the other ones. Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And doing everything perfectly in the gym, funny enough, means nothing unless you focus on good diet, good nutrition, good rest, because you're not actually growing in the gym. You're breaking down your muscles. That actually has a catabolic effect. And then you're growing outside the gym. You're growing when you're eating, when you're resting, when you're getting good quality sleep. That's going to allow your body to recover like we talked about before and then adapt to the stimulus that you did provide in the gym. So you provide a stimulus in the gym. You didn't grow there. You're now recovering by focusing on good diet, good nutrition, good rest, recovery, sleep. And then you're adapting to what you did because of focusing on the things outside of the gym. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And look, all these six gym mistakes we have made before. Yep. We're just trying to let you now. So you don't make this mistake that we did and hundreds, if not thousands of other people have too. So make sure that you follow these tips as best you can, because the faster you get through these, the faster you'll get your gains and skip all these mistakes and problems that we've all been through. So you can shoot your gains process a lot faster than we did. Because trust me, I personally did not get a lot of gains between year two and year six. Because either, you know, either it would be in this case was I was prioritizing uh, isolation movements. So my volume wasn't high enough. My intensity wasn't high enough. Uh, I wasn't sleeping well. So I wasn't, I wasn't consistent with my sleep schedule because of either, you know, whatever excuse it may be, maybe college, maybe uh, just me staying out late. And then I used to follow bro splits because I used to think those were the things because, mm-hmm. that, you know, I did too. Yeah. Because like in this case, Arnold did, Arnold did six days a week training 12 times a week was yet he did two days so it was it was the biggest split of all time and trust me nobody and i mean nobody natural uh should be hitting that much much amount of volume unless you are the next best bodybuilder and even so it's definitely trust me most people can handle that so that's at least my personal uh takes with these definitely mistakes like look with good consistency in the gym and following some of these tips even maybe even half of them you're gonna grow a good amount in the first six months to a year but like chris said he had a big plateau and then he stopped growing for quite a long period of time maybe he made a little gains here and there but they didn't really sustain themselves so what you really need to do is 
focus on the things outside of the gym, focus on employing good habits that are going to allow you to adapt to what you're actually doing in the gym because you want your hard work to pay off. Yes, it's mental therapy to go to to the gym and it's a natural de-stressor and it has all these immediate benefits, but you want your hard work to pay off. I see so many people when I go to the gym who I've seen going there for the last five years and they look exactly the same, sometimes worse, and that's not a knock on them. That's just saying, hey, it would they would probably feel the same way that they want to get good results from all the hard work and time they're putting in. And then I see other people that have only been there for half the amount of time and they grow so much to the point where I'm shocked. And it's because not only are they putting in consistency in the gym and employing good form and lots of great technique, but they're also focusing on the probably the most important element, which is sleep, nutrition, recovery. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Realistically, just follow these as best you can. And trust me, it'll propel your results way faster than you could ever think. Because (laughs) I wish somebody told me this when I was younger. It would have skipped at least four years of absolutely BS lifting and BS training from all those four years of doing absolutely everything wrong. Not everything, but a lot of things, which which I wish I could take back. But that would not be here today if I didn't do those things myself. Absolutely. Yeah, we learned the hard way, so you guys hopefully don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So thank you guys for listening. This is episode two of the Generation Fit Podcast. Uh, If you want to check us out or any more extra free tips, we are at thegenerationfit.com. You have plenty of resources for fat loss, muscle gain, anything that you have questions about in terms of exercise and nutrition. You can go there and we'll see you guys next time. Have a good one, guys.